This is Street Signals, a weekly conversation about markets and macro brought to you by State Street Global Markets. I'm your host, Tim Graff, head of macro strategy for EMEA at State Street, based in London. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. We've had a couple of weeks off from the podcast. Hope you had a relaxing end of 2023. And that 2024 is starting off well for you. It has been a choppy start, to say the least. We've seen some corrections of the, I guess you could call them overshoots in market moves that we saw at the end of 2023. Then a lot of the consensus views that had formed in year ahead pieces, ours included, really performed quite well. We got off to a very good start in the long duration trade. Those who were short dollars also had a good end of the year those who were thinking this was going to be a good year for equities also not didn't necessarily get the year off to a good start because the gains came late in the year. But nevertheless, they saw some positivity in equity markets at the end of the year. And that all worked pretty well until last week. And of course, we had a little bit of a rockier start to the year with equities giving back some of the gains from the end of last year, the dollar starting to perform a little bit better and really some challenges in rate markets to the prevailing expectations that the Federal Reserve, the ECB, other central banks would get on the easing campaign. Now, we're not talking about massive trend breaks yet, but some of the things I wanted to talk about with my guest today deal with whether we should be having any second thoughts or really maybe some new thoughts about those consensus views that formed at the end of last year whether it was lower rates, earlier easing from the Fed and other central banks, better performance for risky assets on the back of that, a weaker dollar, basically figure out what are the four or five things that we should really sit up and take notice of as we start this year. Joining me this week to do that is Dan Girard. Dan is a senior macro strategist on our team in Boston. He has a focus on equity markets, but he always has interesting thoughts on a cross-asset basis, and I thought he'd be the ideal person to start us off with the podcast this year. So Dan, welcome to you. Thanks, Tim. Always a pleasure to be here speaking about these topics with you. Always good to have you. And great to have you for the first one back after the holiday period. Let's start then with this question of the modest pullbacks that we've seen in trend to start the year, but especially what is getting your attention the most within the work that we do as we get 2024 rolling? I always like to think about transmission and what it means for choices that investors are making, especially now as we think about recession and the potential for recession, what it what it means uh, for, for likelihood, what it means for the way assets are in the economy is going to behave. We, um, we should really look at this um, backdrop of monetary creation here in the world. I find it quite interesting that the lending world, when we look at, at, at banks and lending, is really starting to, to slow down. That's happening at the same time where banks are not actually uh, able to make a lot of housing loans because of, of where mortgages are, et cetera. This is really, I think, a concern. So if, we're, if I'm going to look at one thing out here, it's going to be in this, this world of monetary creation, deleveraging, I think is a better way to think about it, and what that means for the relative choices of investors and where they're going to put money in this case. Earnings estimates are actually still quite high that's not just in the US, but actually for the MSCI all country world XUS, it's still pretty 
pretty decent above trend earnings growth expectations. To get that, you would have to have nominal growth quite high still. Um, nominal growth has been contracting. It's still way above trend. So it makes sense for now. But in order to keep that trend going, I think we would need to see uh, a resumption of demand into the real economy. That's really, it, it's a it's a really, I think, important point of how this year is going to turn out. If we get rates that get cut here and get some more stimulus, then it makes sense that well, we might be able to achieve some of these goals. The question is, do we get enough help as the economy slows to actually create that stability? Or does that slow down? Does the cycle really all start to, to bite just as you know, the Fed is having to go through these decisions about uh, pulling back on, on rates? And uh, it's a question of timing. It's a really, really difficult one. I think that it, it, to come back to the beginning, what we really have to watch for is, are we going to see a, a decline in this demand for loans, demand from market participants to create liabilities to fund new growth and CapEx and support some of these earnings? When we look at our indicators that, that see where investors are putting money, it's really more of the same uh, holdings allocation. There's some changes shorter term ones that we've seen. But for the most part, they're still overweight, a lot of these cyclical, cyclical areas, and um, believe that, that the status quo will continue. Yeah. And I want to come back to those changes. The, the thing that really stuck out to me, especially last week, when we were getting a lot of reversals of the year-end moves, we were seeing lower rates into year-end, bringing forward the Fed cutting, that all actually made sense to me. Now, you can argue there was a lot of overshoot in that due to timing of the year and potentially people not participating as much or there being fewer participants and market moves being exacerbated somewhat. But I'd say the thing that really grabbed me as the year started is something very similar to what grabbed me as the year was ending, which is that whatever lens you want to look at it through, whether it's inflation, and here I'm referring to some of the price stats data, or just real activity data, we are starting to get the sense that things are getting back to normal. But I'll focus on inflation, where you look at the patterns and you mentioned the, the panel of central banks that are potentially acting this year, the inflation trends are all normalizing really across the board with them. Even the Bank of Japan, where you could argue for a long time, inflation was sticky above normal. I, I think that's still the case, but it's starting to show signs of normalization. And when you consider price stats data or the official data, the core PCE over the holidays, you annualize that over the last three months, it's 2.2%. You annualize it over the last six months, it's 1.9%. And it opens the door then to some of this normalization of real rates back towards the long run neutral rate. And I think that's what markets were really running with after the Fed meeting in December. It helps, to my mind at least, explain the market moves in equities and rates as overextended as they might have been. What's grabbed me this year is the narrative hasn't really changed. So I'm kind of questioning whether these moves we saw last week are merely pullbacks within that broader trend. And if we start to resume that. Now, when it comes to equity markets, you mentioned some of the things you're looking at kind of shorter term. What is changing in your view from that narrative that sets us up for maybe 
you know, duration outperforming or equities having a, a kind of maybe not the year they had last year, but at least an okay year. Many, many investors were thinking that this year is going to be this kind of year of the bond, right? It's still this opportunity where uh, we're going to see this panel of rate cuts and um, interest and duration uh, rates come down overall supporting things. But what's surprising that if we look at our own multi-asset data and positioning, equity allocations have barely moved. Most people, I think this is surprising to a lot of our clients, bond allocations have actually been falling. And it's the shorter duration cash, let's call it one year or less duration that has been rising as that uncertainty has has risen. I mean, what is it that's actually going to push people back into duration here? Because I think if it hasn't so far, maybe it's because people have been burned a number of times on on duration with this uncertainty about um, how everything is going to turn out here. The setup is there. The setup is there for equity allocations to come out, cash allocations to come out a bit and come back into longer duration bonds. But it would really take some kind of catalyst, sort of a much weaker outlook on the economy, I think. And and that's, that's where I'm having a lot of difficulty. It's really hard to see any weakness yet. The timing just, it seems to be pushed back across the board, which means that I think equities actually continue to do okay, probably for longer than I thought they would. And duration still doesn't have its day in the sun yet. It's still sort of, I either want to stay a little bit shorter focused on the curve, stay into some of those quality equity names that are remarkably in that sort of tech, somewhat cyclical world still, and not make any any major changes. That gives us this setup, which I think is really difficult, which is nothing changes until something really bad happens. Maybe the Fed gets behind the curve a little bit too much. By the time they start cutting, it's very hard to overcome the downward spiral. I think that's actually historically what tends to happen quite a bit. And really, that's what I'm, that's what I'm wondering. And I'm wondering if you feel the same about that. I think the Fed, I think this is a unique cycle. As you say, the data doesn't look that bad, but there's still this potential for them to ease. And as unusual as that sounds, you have inflation normalizing. As I said, core PC is annualizing around 2%, no matter which shorter term window you want to look at. And I think that's the motivation for them having the dot plot where it is, which is to normalize real interest rates back from something like three to three and a half percent closer to maybe one and a half, two percent by the end of this year, and then getting towards that long-term neutral rate of 50 to 75 basis points, that, that sort of measure of the whether it's the Williams-Laubach neutral rate or just the dot plot, whatever way you want to get to it. I think that's their intention. The labor market isn't rolling over. Wage growth is still strong. But so what? Inflation isn't a problem. And what that means is on a forward-looking basis, policy possibly gets too tight and they want to get ahead of that. And that's where I think it's maybe a little bit different than what you've noted, which is quite correct. Usually the Fed's behind the curve. Usually something has to break to get them to act. And I think they're in this very unique position coming off the heels of an inflation spike that was you know, not necessarily all about demand either. And I think they accept that their response to the inflation we saw was necessary, but that in a lot of senses, the inflation we saw wasn't all demand-driven inflation. There was a, a huge bullwhip effect and supply chain effect coming through as a consequence of the pandemic. 
they recognize that over time they need not potentially be so tight on a forward looking basis. And that's what's really kind of surprised me that first week we came back, which is the market saying, yeah, no, we're not going to be doing that this this time around. It's going to be a lot more challenging than that very simplistic view of trying to glide policy rates lower to avoid being too tight. Is the potential for the reacceleration of inflation properly appreciated in that case? Because if we do get this um, this expectation of cuts that people, I think, expect it to stabilize rather than stimulate the economy. Mm. But given some of the dynamics here, one of the things I'm worried about is there's huge housing pent-up demand in the U.S. still, a market that still has a huge housing shortage and is just waiting for better mortgage rate opportunities. It's cute. We're seeing this in, in flows, actually, in our equity work. Big demand back into the real estate market again. Given how much housing plays into a the the inflation uh, dynamic overall? Should we be worried that the Fed is going to start to see some of these percolating major drivers of inflation, even if it's not the supply side stuff, the good stuff anymore? Wages, for example, have, have, are really still quite strong. The labor market is still quite strong, even if cooling a little bit. And then you've got this potential for housing to kick back in again. Is that going to is that Likely? Is it going to change things? How how should we interpret that? The only answer I can really give to that is what we see in the inflation indicators we have through price stats, which is that housing-related goods inflation, at least, is pretty benign at the moment. Now, the entire scenario I just laid out before you asked your question is challenged by this notion of inflation reacceleration, And I think that is the worry, especially given how correlated bond and equity returns are at the moment. And that is still a byproduct of the COVID era. And I don't think it's one that's going to go away anytime soon. The real worry is reacceleration, no landing, or just you, you take off again due to wages, due to shortages in housing. And I, I, I don't know how realistic that is. I'm not sure what view you have on that, actually bringing it full circle to the notion of credit creation and lending. Is that a realistic reacceleration to think about? I think it's it is a very real possibility. The additional wild card is um, is geopolitics. We still have a, a lot to get through with with the Middle East, with Russia, with U.S. political changes. We have very little way of projecting or forecasting, really. Just to the point of back to the kind of monetary policy and that impact on the inflation that we can forecast a bit better. It should be a concern in the. The too the stimulating too soon or the cutting too soon case, um, just given how strong the labor market is still and that the services inflation is still there. The non-consensus story that although policy remains tightish, that the expectation that the Fed will be there the whole time means that growth can continue to be strong and markets just take off again because of this expectation. So it's a bond and stock year again, much stronger than we expect. Um, I don't think that's really in people's sort of outcome playbook right now. And I wonder, is that something that we think is is underrepresented or underappreciated as well? A really great year. I think the consensus is that you have an okay year for equities and a good year for bonds. Markets are set up for that. I think there is this immaculate disinflation or the ability for the Fed to proactively ease and and lower real interest rates, thinking more forward-looking as we've talked about. 
That I think is the consensus. I think there's a good case for that consensus. What I don't think is the consensus is either of the tales of that, whether it's horrible years for both, you know, 20% correction in equities and a 10% correction further in bonds and equities probably correcting because of that 10% correction in bonds or both of them having phenomenal years. Either tale is for me what is harder to see. I'm giving more probability of this really split year where equities and bonds actually do quite well, both really well in the first half because of this expectation of the cut. And then that makes the cut less possible, which then we start to see the impact of an overextended consumer, a worried business CapEx model, all of that slowing earnings that are, that are not living up to expectations um, really hit the equity market later in the year. I'm just starting to come around to that a, a bit more now. The, the other piece to talk about is China because it's been this major wild card mm. and has almost fallen off the table entirely. Our media stats indicators show that the intensity of China growth as a theme is rapidly declining and, and sits at the bottom of the table. Uh, it's really elections, the Fed and, and, and DM rates, profitability, they're taking all the media focus. What China does seems to matter quite a bit for the global economy as well. Maybe we're, we're thinking about that not as much as we, we should be, given how lackluster returns and actions have been in China over the past year. Well, Dan, you've given me the perfect opportunity to sadly end this podcast. We are coming up on time. We are going to be talking about China actually next week. We have GeoQuant co-founder Mark Rosenberg joining the podcast. But we've, I think, started the year with a lot more questions than answers. But I think they're important questions that we need to think about. I think it's important that your answer to how the year will play out, being one of potentially two halves, I think is an interesting way to finish on this discussion. We'll have to see. And for now, I'll just have to thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Tim. Always a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Street Signals from the research team at State Street Global Markets. This podcast and all of our research can be found at our web portal, Insights. There, you'll be able to find all of our latest thinking on macroeconomics and markets, where we leverage our deep experience in research on investor behavior, inflation, risk, and media sentiment, all of which goes into building an award-winning strategy product. If you're a client of State Street, hit us up there at globalmarkets.statestreet.com. We'll see you next time. This communication is provided by State Street Bank and Trust Company, hereafter referred to as State Street, and is for informational purposes only, and is not intended to suggest or recommend any transaction, investment, or investment strategy. It does not constitute investment research, nor does it purport to be comprehensive or intended to replace the exercise of an investor's own careful, independent review and judgment regarding any investment decision. This communication and the information herein does not constitute investment, legal, or tax advice, and is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities or any financial instrument nor is it intended to constitute a binding contractual arrangement or commitment by State Street of any kind. The information provided does not take into account any particular investment objectives, strategies, investment horizon, or tax status. The views expressed herein are the views of State Street as of the date specified and are subject to change without notice based on market and other conditions. The information provided herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable at the time of publication. Nonetheless, we make no representations or assurances that the information is complete or accurate, and you should not place any reliance on said information. 
State Street hereby disclaims any warranty and all liability, whether arising in contract, tort, or otherwise, for any losses, liabilities, damages, expenses, or costs, either direct, indirect, consequential, special, or punitive, arising from or in connection with any use of this communication and or the information herein. State Street or its affiliates may from time to time as principal or agent for its own account or for those of its clients have positions in and or actively trade in financial instruments or other products identical to or economically related to those discussed in this communication. State Street may have a commercial relationship with issuers of financial instruments or other products discussed in this communication. This communication may contain information deemed to be forward-looking statements. These statements are based on assumptions, analyses, and expectations of State Street in light of its experience and perception of historical trends, current conditions, expected future developments, and other factors it believes appropriate under the circumstances. All information is subject to change without notice. This communication or any portion hereof may not be redistributed without the prior written consent of State Street. Past performance is no guarantee of future results.